You're listening to Stand Out with Ian O'Connell. Wednesday evenings from 8pm here on Radio Kerry. You're very welcome to the show tonight. I hope I find you well on this Wednesday evening. I'm delighted to say that my guest this week on Stand Out with me, Ian O'Connell, is the very talented actor Ryan Andrews. Ryan is best known as Sean Cassidy in the Irish soap opera Fair City, which he has starred in since 2008. Sit back and enjoy the show. No, thanks, Billy, though, for, for coming on. I, I um, You've been on so much, like, over the last the last couple of years, Hell Week and then Dancing with the Stars and obviously the acting in Fair City, but we'll we'll touch on that in a while. Um, I, I like to bring all my guests, kind of bring it back to the start. How did, um, what was your childhood like and growing up, were you involved in a lot of sports or what were your interests? You grew up in Dublin. Yeah, so childhood was, like looking back in it now, was absolutely brilliant. Like I, I had a, a really great, a very positive upbringing. Um, I had a very, very supportive and understanding mom and dad. Um, I was involved in a lot of sports. Like, it, And in fairness, it's funny, the older you get, a lot of the time you say, have I always been like this? And then your mom and dad would say, yeah, absolutely. You know, So from every sport you could name, I was always interested in them. My thing is, as I've gotten older, a jack of all trades, master of none. So That's like, I'm always interested in to do so many things because I get bored very easily and I have a lot of energy. So as a kid, any sport, I was playing and I played to kind of high levels and stuff, played like Dublin, the team. And um, I went over to Barcelona playing football at a point when I was a younger age. But really? then the acting kind of took over and I was acting, but kind of performing since around eight or nine. And it was kind of like a Billy Elliot story. I remember it was in my school. There was an after school and my mom was late. So I saw these group of guys and girls kind of in there, you know, performing. And me, I was like, I can do that. You know, that kind of thing. So then I went yeah. in and I loved it. And that's when um, I kind of, my whole professional career, I think, started at around 11. That was when I kind of professionally stood on the Olympia Theatre stage. And my mom and dad then supported me all the way throughout that as well. The um, You said there about the the Olympia Theatre. And I remember hearing an interview there going back a few months ago. But you were, did you, did you break your ankle or something at the time? And you were, you were saying that you, when you got the script... That you wouldn't do it, and your mom, your mom insisted on doing it. Was that, was that true? Yeah, that was. Um, yeah, that was. That was actually. I tell you what, that was for. That was for the very first audition for the Olympia Panto. Um, so I did Singing in the Rain, which was like the summer, and then for that Christmas there was an audition for Bugsy Malone, and that's where basically my career kind of started. And I was down in Wexford, and ba- I was on a bike. I was doing wheelies. I was doing mountain biking and stuff, and a peg went right through my ankle, right through my leg. Like literally it went, I stopped and the bike continued going and it just ripped my whole leg. So I had to get a cast and bandaged and all this. And I remember saying, I'm not going up. There's no point. And my mom says, you better go up there now. Your dad took a day off work. He's dropping you up there. And I went up and I hobbled a little bit, but I got through it. But yeah, that's, I remember, yeah, that was a mad story actually. I haven't really thought about that one in a while. And I always think about that because you always get these chances in life of going, what if? What if I didn't go to the yeah, audition? Where absolutely. would I be now? Do you think you would have um, been as successful if you decided to join later on, as opposed to going when that was happening? I don't think so. No, I mean I don't because 
when you're young, the younger you are, I feel the more or the less you really care about things in the way of like, so when I, I felt in particular from my opinion, when I was younger, I was ruthless. Like I didn't care what I was doing, who was looking at me. I just wanted to do whatever I wanted to do. And that's a great thing as a child to be. Oh, it's you know, absolutely. It's great because oh. there's, there's children these days and like they're, they're saying, oh, I look, my belly's big in that or I'm not, I have a freckle on my cheek or something. I know. And there's there's no reason to think like that. As a child, you should just try and do whatever it is you wanted to do. So that's what I was at that show. I was like, I love this, the Olympia. This is amazing. I'm going to do this for the rest of my life. And I, like, I was so like, this is what my life is going to be. But if I had went in at 15, 16, the older you get, I would have probably been like, I'm too cool for this. Oh, I don't really think yeah. this is going to be my life. And then that's when going out starts happening. You start meeting people and stuff. So I definitely think that getting in early was like the hook that kept me in. And it's, it's looking, it's kept me in now to, and I'm 29 years of age. Absolutely. It's, um, it's amazing. It's only in hindsight that you look back and you realize what if I didn't do that at that time? And like, a lot of people ask me, you know, when my accident happened, I was cycling down kind of a, it was like kind of a grass hill. And um, I hit the log in a way that was overgrown grass. But they always say to me, if you're on top of that hill again, would you have gone down? And as crazy as it seems, like the, the answer is probably yes, because I had no idea it was going to happen. It was just a freak accident. But is are you the kind of person that you look back and say, what if, or do you live with no regrets? Well, first of all, when when you're talking about that as being the top of the hill and going down and with the log and stuff, like that's a great answer because it's not that anything was done or you could have changed anything or it was nothing about it was that that's what happened. And I always think I always say in life, it's not about what happens; it's how you react to the situation. Yeah, you know. That defines the person you are. It's not getting yourself into a situation or or whatever happened. It's actually what you do afterwards, you know. So, my, I, I honestly just to touch back. Um, I know respect and inspiration; those words they can get thrown around quite a lot. But I have a lot of respect, um, for you, and I watch all your videos all the time and the training. You're talking about your movement in your left arm, and it's a like it's a lot to process again and again and again of like every morning gone just doing the same things are repetitive and it might nothing might work for weeks and then one day something will happen you go oh it was all worth it you know absolutely and like you said that it might happen once in a while like I remember when I was in the hospital the first flicker I was always just looking at my hands and bicep and like just saying move move and nothing was happening and obviously for for months and then one day it was actually like four o'clock in the morning and I seen a little flicker in the bicep and I nearly jumped out, out of the bed with the excitement when I when I seen it. <laughs> so so no, I appreciate that. Um, no, amazing and then like going back to the question Ian, like like I don't live with regrets. Like there's no but like I, I don't want to say like oh no regrets like life is great and you like there are definitely situations that you looking back you might go I should have been a bit more confident I should have been a bit more ballsy I should have went for that a little bit more or maybe I should have been a little bit more sensitive here so I definitely do look back and go 
like not how I would have changed the situation, but definitely yeah. in life, maybe the older I got, the more, I'm not going to say insecure, I'm not insecure, but in the way of going, I would have been a lot more aware of myself and stuff. So say I probably wouldn't have put myself out there enough. Yeah. 20, 21, 22. I probably would have said, oh, I'm very comfortable what I'm doing. I don't want to try anything new. So I went through a few years, probably about two years of that, Ian, to be honest. And that's what I probably would have changed. Maybe that's the only thing not to have lost that kind of a drive. And I did lose that for a while, but um, I I got it back. So that's the only thing in my life looking back. Um, Other than that, everything seems to, I think everything, what happens in your life leads you to the point you're at today. Yeah, totally believe that 100%. And um, it's all a, a pack going forward. What were you, um, what were you like in, in school? Did you like growing up? Because I know for a fact that I, I couldn't stand school. Like I was never the person that caused trouble and stuff, but I just, I just couldn't, I, I didn't like it at all. What were you, did you like school? And was that in primary school or secondary schooling? Um, I think it started kind of, I think secondary school really, because yeah. at parent teacher meetings, it was always to my mom, He's doing very well, but if he puts his mind to it, he can do more. But the problem was I wasn't putting my mind to it. Yeah, yeah. That seems like such a generic line that the, the teachers use, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. It's like, oh, we'll, we'll just say something. But um, in primary school, I loved it. I absolutely loved primary school. I was up. My dad works in Guinnesses and has been working there my whole life. He'd be up at half five, six. I'd be up with him getting dressed for school. Like... I loved it. I used it. The first one in and I, my primary school was very low. I was very lucky with the teachers I had um, in St. Peter's and Paul's and Baldoyle in Dublin. They were a fantastic, ta- fantastic bunch of teachers. And I think primary school teachers in particular don't get enough credit because yeah. they help mold you into a person like you're, they understand everybody's individual needs. They understand that people's strengths and people's weaknesses Um you know, I was involved in every sport. We were Lancer champions in literally every sport. Um, they supported the acting. They supported the performing. Then in sixth class, I got like pupil of the year and stuff. That was all great. And then primary or secondary school came and that was... God, good luck. No, that wasn't good. To be honest, it wasn't. Um, I didn't enjoy it. I really, really struggled to fit in and not fit in with like friends and peers fit in myself yeah going you went from a school calling you ryan and understanding who you are and then all of a sudden then i was called andrew for the first six months because my no way your, your name is like o'connell yeah. you know it's backwards like you're thrown in no one knows i'm not a strong reader in you know i i, I wouldn't be very yeah. confident and then the first day read that page out and you're going well, in primary school, they wouldn't have asked me to do that. They would have waited yeah. until I went last so I could get cut. You know, so there was a lot of stuff. I was messing a lot because I thought the way of teaching didn't suit me. I, I'm i very visual. I'm very, I love someone energy, like really expressing something. If someone was history and they said, oh, this happened and this happened, I'd be part of it. Where when yeah. someone says, open your workbook and read or Elder fill those answers. Yeah, you know, so... It didn't really go too well with me. 
Um, I was getting in trouble a lot just for kind of out of boredom, out of mess. And I was in detention every week in second year. And I actually ultimately left in third year in the middle of my junior cert. Go away. Yeah. Um, I was working a lot of the time in the clinic and other shows and that was affecting skill work. And then literally during my junior cert, I was like, this is what I want to do for the rest of my life. I'm on a set working in RTE and I have to come back to do triography or triometry, whatever this was. Yeah. I was like, I have no idea that this is going to stick with me. I've, I'm not going to use this, but I definitely will use those acting skills and the ability to talk to people on set going forward. So then I said, that's what I want to do. And I didn't go back after torture. I suppose that being nosy, but how did that, how did that go down at home with the, the parents? Brilliant. No, like great question. My mom and dad, they knew in, they, they, they knew they saw it in me. They were like, they knew I wasn't really happy. Like I was kind of just, but on set and on the pantos, I'd be coming, I'd be talking about it for hours. I'd be skipping, I'd be showing them everything where they'd say, what did you do in school today? Nothing. Yeah. You know, so they understood, I don't think it was necessarily a shock, but also I didn't just say, I'm leaving school. I'm not a dropout. I, I set up work there in the September and I went. So I wasn't just sitting on my arse. Like yeah. I was out there working and I took courses. I took business courses like tax insurance, all that type of stuff. So they were very supportive. Now, other people obviously turned around and said the Irish thing, oh, your education, oh, your leaving search is the most yeah. important thing where I hate it is for some people, that. but for some people, there's definitely a different route to get to where you want to get to. Kind of connects with the name of your podcast, Second Chance. Yeah. A backdoor and something is a second chance, isn't it? And yeah, and it's all sometimes you hear people and, you know, sometimes people say, oh, do you have any advice or tips for the leaving cert? And I always go, no, like obviously, first of all, I haven't said it. But the only thing that I, I say to people is if you really want something and it's really what you want, you will get it because yeah. you won't stop. It'll be the first thing you think about, the last thing you think about at night. But if it's a thing of going, and it's okay not to know what you want, if you go, I don't really know, that's fine. Do an arts, do whatever degree it is, do courses until you find what it is. And once you find what it is, then you double down. So I knew acting, performing was my thing. And I went 100% full into that. And I'm still kind of doing that as well, you know. So, But that's why I said it's a difficult as well when you're two points off something, you feel you've done everything. And then sometimes you feel like, what more can I do? What's the point? And that's when it really counts. And that's when you really know if this is what you want to do. 100%. Um, I suppose we'll move on to your acting at the the kind of start. You, you Your breakthrough was on the clinic on RT, wasn't it? 2007? Yeah. I'm brilliant with years in. That's the, like, honestly, I have no idea. Like, that's, like, honestly... Leaving sir, junior sir, birthdays, no idea. You could have said 2015 there and I would have agreed with you. But yeah, yes, we'll yeah. go with 2017, yeah. <laughs> you can trust you can trust my research. I can, what, yeah, yeah. What was that um that like that it was it was probably one of your first big um big big roles and stuff. How how did that go down? Yeah, that was that was brilliant. Like that was like that's when you're younger, you don't really think about it. You just kind of do it. You're just full of like, full of energy, full of like enthusiasm all the time where look like it really was great. Like getting to see how a proper film set was the incredible actors, the best actors in the business, learning from them, 
watching them, seeing them was really brilliant. And that went on for three seasons. So I was just very lucky. My mom was a huge fan. So she loved going out every day and because she was my chaperone at the time. So she was, she was more probably excited than me now, you know, yeah, but that no, was, was really great. And um, that ultimately led to uh, to a lot of things in the future then because people obviously saw me in that. And I, I got a lot of credit at the time at a young age, which was a, uh, fantastic and that's stuff you can't really buy in yeah how um i suppose how how much does talent and how much does kind of drama school and stuff what one kind of weighs out more than the other when it comes to to becoming a successful um actor natural or i suppose practicing it's that's a that's the million and one question it's you know sometimes you hear stories all the time of someone who literally came off the street, had absolutely no background, whatever, and just had that raw ability, that raw talent. Others, like some of the best actors in the world, had trained in Lambda, Rada, or now are in the Lear in, in Dublin. It really varies, you know. There's some people work really hard at it and never get anywhere. And some people would never open a script and then that they're getting jobs left, right and centre. There's there's so many factors in it. There's actually a quote, hard work beats talent when talent doesn't work hard. That's so true, isn't it? You know, so sometimes that's someone who maybe not be as talented, but works so hard, so hard, sending emails, going to all the cast and scan the self-tapes and then they get it. When the, and then some people who think that they're great, they fall back then as well. Also, there's a lot of luck as well, in. Yeah. You know, sometimes they say it's the people, it's who you know, it's not what you know. So that can be very frustrating. It can go for you in many ways. It can, you know, if you've worked with someone before and they say, oh, we need a guy, Ryan, he's perfect. And you say, oh my God, that's great. I've got it. And then other times you see other people getting the jobs going, well, they're only getting that because they're, they're friends. So it's a very difficult industry and it's very unpredictable. It's very uncertain. And that's why you really have to love it to, um, and has to be your passion to kind of stay in it. Yeah. Um, Moving on to, I suppose, Fair City now is one of the, the biggest ones that people probably know you from. What was um your first day on set there, seeing um I suppose actors that you would have seen on the on the show before you were there? What was that like? Was it surreal? That was surreal. That was really surreal. I remember my audition. So I got a call when I was on the clinic, and. They said, would you like to audition for Fair City? So I was actually on the clinic in Fair City at the same time. They were aired at the really? same time. So before the news, it was Fair City. I was Sean Cassidy. And then after the news, I was Ian. Like, you know, so like it was weird. It was the time that that happened. But um, That's crazy. Yeah, Fair City was different because in the clinic, these were like, these actors were the characters where I honestly felt I knew all the actors in Fair City. Like my audition was with Christy. In the, and then there was with Paul as well. So I'm looking at them going, how are you, Paul? I'm like, oh, no. You know, so it was, they're so familiar with you. My first day of set, um, I actually took over. Not many people noticed, but I actually took over from another actor. Really? So the character of Sean was in it for years, like as a kid, up to around 15. And they were recast. And so I came in as Sean, like a, a new actor playing it. Not many people know that. People think I'm in it since I'm like, a child, but I think it's only 15 since a minute. I, th- I I was nearly 100% convinced that you were in it since you were really young. 
now 15 I think 15 I'm old. that's what people are like oh you've been in that literally since you're six seven I'm like no because you see all obviously all the kid actors but um yeah. he was actually small he was a lot larger than me and he's blonde hair and I came in tall skinny and black hair the complete opposite go away it's over like over breakfast coming into, coming into Love Island the bombshell yeah exactly yeah, yeah so that's that's where it started and then I was really thrown in the deep end with with Fair City because I remember my first storyline was my mom was getting married and then my mom ended up dying on her wedding day and there was a big funeral there was like it was a really heavy storyline and I got thrown into that straight away and it was kind of like testing to see if I could handle the big storylines and yeah. then I kind of passed that and they uh I'm still there and they can't get rid- they can't get rid of me at the moment I'm hanging on in there I am I um, have the you said there the first storyline was your mom that um, I suppose when it was your first one, that, even though it was a storyline for for a program, did it have a did it affect you in some way mentally? Like even just I suppose thinking about that. At the no, at the time it didn't, and like mm-hmm. that's sometimes you you hear that though, and like I know where you're coming from with that. Sometimes when you do something so like real and raw, whether it's a death, whether it's you know, there was a storyline later on. I cared for a character, Christy, who had a stroke and I was his carer. Like, so there's a lot of stuff that, but I switch it off straight away. Like I was the second, like I have my scripts actually here beside me. The second I read that, I'm reading that as Sean, you know, it could, whatever happens in those pages happens there. Like that's, you know, it really is like as if it's not happening. So I know what you're saying. Do you take it as if take it to heart in some ways. I don't personally, because I think there's some mad storylines you get into. If you took that home, that's when kind of problems and issues kind of start. And that's what acting is. I think it's kind of leaving it at the door, leaving yourself at the door to become the character. And then when you're leaving the character, you turn straight back into yourself. Then I tell you when people really think they know the character or the fair city is the country people, all those Kerry folk and all <laughs> they are built different down there. I tell you it's they, the Kerry, the Kerry Corks, the Galways, they absolutely love Fair City. They do so much. And they're huge. Like, where in Dublin, they say, ah, Jesus, there's, there's your man there, where the country people kind of actually enjoy it. And I think it's, I actually think it's a huge part of people's lives. And I think when COVID came in and Fair City was off the air for three, four months, people were like, whether they watched oh. it or they didn't watch it, it was a, it was the heart of, you know, it's always on every four nights a week. So people really... I think appreciated it when it came back then. Came back. The the fact you said there about COVID and Fair City, when you did return on set, what was it like? Um, what was it like coming back? I suppose acting and doing doing the the roles again with social distancing and stuff. Did you have to be careful of that, or what was it like? Because it must have been. It was difficult, and it was very very difficult. It was very strange yeah. that we were off for three months and that was the longest Fair City has ever been off the air it was so so uncertain we came back and it was the two meters it was masks it was gloves it was hand sanitization it was such a shock it was such a change you know when you're talking to someone you know being two meters away in a yeah. in an intimate scene or someone might be saying so they're going having the worst day ever normally you go over where they're like no push back Give having masks on Everything you've been taught your whole life is to act, perform, use your mouth. All now you're covered up, so you can only use your eyes. Your words were mumbled. You know there was a lot of stuff that you had to nearly re 
retrain in a way and actually get used to it very quick because you're on set and that was it. One one scene, one take, and then it's out in three weeks' time. So it took a while to get used to Ian. But um, look, to get back working, we would have taken anything and we would have done anything at that stage. I'd say anyone in the entertainment um, business was like with that time after they weren't used to it like you were oh, saying it was a hard time because in particular with theatres and stuff like there was two years of pant like we haven't performed on the Olympia stage in two years the first year it was stopped early on in the, on its tracks so we had to record it we recorded it on the Olympia we put it out online last year we were about to go into the theatre the night before and it got pulled because of the COVID numbers Boy. so the Performing arts industry and the entertainment industry have really, really been affected. And it's it's you can feel it kind of coming back now. And it's great. And there's a great buzz. There's a great excitement of everyone basically doing what they want to do and what, they, yeah. what they've been born to do. It's mad. Even like inside in town, when you see people walking around without face masks and it's all it's all different. Like, and it's it is. It's great to see. Um, ah, it's brilliant. What would. um. If you were to pick um out of the all your roles in your acting career so far, is there one that you enjoyed the most or that you were more I suppose that you enjoyed playing more than the other? I tell you, there was actually it was funny enough, there was for the first time in about ten years, I saw a film I did when I was thirteen years of age, and it's called Frankie. And this was about like a young guy and um, he was becoming a dad at 13 years of age and he had to have a, a baby doll going around with him to, you know, to learn and to get used to it and stuff. And he came from a really, really rough background where everyone drops out of school and everyone just smokes and drinks and wastes their life. And he was like, I'm not going to be that person. I'm going to I'm going to be something. I'm going to be a great dad because I didn't have a dad. And then ultimately, in the end, he the cycle turns back and he goes back into it. And I watched that for the first time on Sunday and I haven't seen it in 10 years. And that was one of the most enjoyable things, films I've ever done. It was brilliant. It was one of the first short films I did and talking to the camera, learning all about it. It was a great film. It won best short film in Europe and stuff. It went best film in the world, I think, at one point. It done really well. And that's, that's something I'm really proud of because I didn't really give it too much taught at the time but looking back on at 13 years of age to do that I was kind of proud of myself that I did it at that point and I'm nearly saying gee I don't know whether I'd be able to do an Ewing <laughs> to be honest you know so I was like fair play to him fair play to him back then but that was a great role and that was that was a really good role look, looking back and obviously Sean Cassidy in Fair City I, I love that like I'm there now I'm there tomorrow I was there this morning I'm there on Wednesday that's more of a family as well that's I nearly look at that as a family rather than the job uh, that was actually my next question. I was saying, are the Fair City fa- cast like um like family off, say off air and stuff? Are you kind of tightness in real life, kind of outside acting? Yeah, like, and that's not that's not like I'd love to say. No, we hate each other. There's there's yeah, killings yeah. all the time, but it's not. Uh, sure, four people were. I was on the phone to four of the cast this morning. This like. I was only in there talking to other four people. I left and four others around me. So it genuinely is um, a close-knit family because Fair City's been going on for over 30 years. You know, I'm in there nearly 15 years. You grow up with these people, like people who were my age when I was in there have now 
a family, they've kids, they I've grown up with them, they've grown up with me. We've shared some amazing storylines together. We've shared personal storylines together as well. I mean an outside as well. So yeah, like Damien, McLean Burke, we do panto together. Yeah. And um Sorka Furlong, who plays Orla, Tony Tormey, Paul. I was on to Jeff Minogue, who plays Tommy there five minutes ago. Um, so, yeah, we're all really good friends. Mondo, I was at George's wedding over in Nurk and stuff. And uh, so, yeah, we're really, really great. And that, you know what, in that's a massive part of it. Yeah. When you like the people you work with, makes it so much easier because they're long days, they can be long and challenging. But when you're in there having fun and having the crack, it just makes it so much better. Do you think uh, the fact that you said there you shared personal storylines? Um, do you think that when there's two actors playing and they're in a relationship, do you think like in, they'd have a another relationship at home? Do you think it makes it easier acting when like when they know each other well? I think well. Whether regarding a relationship, I'm not too sure because that can be tricky as well. Because I've seen yeah. people, you know, you nearly want to give out to them. You know, I, you're nearly like I was in my own. Every time I see it, I'm like, "What's their wife's at home?" And they're like, "I don't know." It always kind of crossed my mind. I know it can't. That can be tricky because you have to have that work home balance. So when you're bringing home to work and work to home, you know it, it can get kind of tricky as well. But yeah. The relationship and the the familiarity is is good there, but also, as you said, you don't necessarily have to be married. Like there's people there that I said I've known for 15 years now, and you know what way it's going to be. You know the scene. If it's an emotional scene for them, you can be there to support them. Or else, if they have stuff going on outside and you know they've had a hard day, you can pick them up as well. So it's that's what it's all about, and that's what Fair City is um is really great at the cast of Fair City. That's really important. When you were um, growing up and doing drama and stuff, was there was there a particular um, actor that you looked up to or even like a role model in your own life? I, when I was really young, it was Colin Farrell because that mm-hmm. was just, a, you know, when you wanted to be an actor, it was like, oh, you're going to be a, like, you want to be Colin Farrell. And that was there for years. But as I got older, it kind of changed to Killian Murphy. Really? Yeah, and... The reason behind that was because I was watching them doing, you know, the Batman films. Then I was watching them doing TV shows. Like now, even now, like your likes of Peaky Blinders, he can do Inception. He can do. Yeah, um, fan of Peaky Blinders. Yeah, ah, he's he's amazing. He's brilliant. He's um, and I think uh, there's a lot of people that I I've spoken to when I'm watching it, and they don't know he's Irish. Oh, the the Birmingham, the Brummie yeah. accent. It's brilliant. Like, and that's that's the. That's why I have so much respect for him because he does plays. He does the Galway Theatre Festival nearly every year, a one-man show. He can do anything and he's so versatile. And as an actor, I think like Christopher Nolan uses him in every film he's in. And he's in blockbusters. He's in like, I just think he just does so much. And if he was to do a show in front of five people in town, he would. When you were Sean Cassidy, would I be right in saying back in... um... 20, I suppose it was just after my accident. Were, was he a suspect in um in a in a murder or something? At this stage, I think he was a suspect. He was a more he was involved in everything, but the end yeah, was one year. What year would that have been in? I, I have a feeling it was 2018 because I was I was in hospital right. at the time. 
what's it like playing that kind of role? That's great. That is what you, like, honestly, as an actor and as, like, something like that, it is great. Like, when you can get something that you know is over a long distance of time that rather, you know, there, there are weeks as well and sometimes the trickier weeks are just going in, yeah. working in the bar. Do you want to point, you, like, it can be hard to kind of get into it or sometimes you go, oh, I want to be doing more. But as a murder suspect, that was really cool because you're going it wasn't me and like there's emotional scenes you're getting aggressive you're you're oh, i was actually charged at one point they honestly thought i did it so they're long hours like that's the only thing about them type of big storylines in fair city like you're in there from seven you've probably gone home at 10 o'clock at night that could be going on for a week so it can take its toll but i would take them any day that was really cool and that they're the type of things what you said earlier on and going back to you don't bring them home with you you leave yeah. them in there um, the if fact you took them home would you saying you're a murder case yeah, yeah. <laughs> there'd be killings at home it's mad to think though like there's people um, like you're inside enjoying doing the role and there's people at home on the edge of their seat saying yeah he done it he done it oh. do you be aware of that when you're doing it that there's people at home on your side or against you sometimes you can and sometimes it can nearly be Oh, people believe it's true. Like, there's a lot of people believe it's true when you're in that. They're like, I remember the time with Christy when I was his carer. Ah, Jesus, you're very good to Christy. You're very good to him. Oh, if I only had you as a, like, you know, all this stuff. But yeah, sometimes when the character is, um, or when you're doing in the show, when you're in the wrong, you know, or when you're bad, then you go, oh, Jesus, I can't do that there. People will think, because sometimes then people think it's you doing that. Where I'm lucky enough that, you know, I'm kind of okay and it's like I kind of, more stuff happens to me than me kind of do. Where the likes of Paul and stuff and yeah. he just gets absolutely lashed out of it when he goes on, on the streets. Paul, uh, Paul, yeah. I tell you, you, you know, you're effing this, you're effing that. <laughs> it's um, it's crazy though, the way, the way, and like the likes of Fair City and other, other soaps, they, like they, for people at home, like especially elderly people at home, they're kind of depending on watching that every night for company because you might be the only company they see all through the day is the people on TV. That's very important. And that is important to us. And that's something I think about that whatever you think of Fair City or whatever, whether you watch it, whether you don't watch it, there's someone in your family, whether it's close or or long fam that watch it and it means something to them that they whether they can relate to it, whether it's something a topical issue at the time that they're they're watching for support, or whether it is company. And I think what yeah. happened with lockdown when people couldn't see their nannies and granddads and the nannies and granddads were saying, Well, could you record Fair City? Is there old episodes there? And I think it really kind of I think it hit home with a lot of people that just how important Fair City can be in people's lives and it has been for the last 30 years so that was a kind of a nice thing and when I kind of got back then uh, I think people appreciate it including the cast like I appreciate it sometimes it's when something you have goes you don't really appreciate it until it goes if that makes sense definitely and um, I think a lot especially Fair City when it's when it's based in um, in Ireland a lot of people can can relate with the store some of the storylines like that the storyline that they could be watching, yeah, it's happening in their own life, do you know. And I think I think that's that's important as well. Before um before we finish, I want to start to touch on Dancing with the Stars and the the Pento, the the Pento. That's 
I, I've heard you speaking very highly of it and you can tell by it's it's a massive part of of your life and I think with a panto there can be a, a child as young as six or there could be a a grandparent in their 80s but they both enjoy it as much would, would that be fair? What you just said there is my tagline what I use so you robbed it yeah. <laughs> that's exactly what I say as in that's it in that is panto in yeah. a nutshell that you could have someone from four years of age right up to 84 years of age and any great, 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 great granny, whatever it is, and they're enjoying the same show. They might be enjoying, you could have a dad, a brother, a sister. They might be enjoying different parts of it, meaning the little girl might love the princess. The dad might love the football jokes of the rude innuendos. The brother might love the dancing, like the backflip, and the, the adults might love the story. So that's what Panto is. That's what the magic is. And like if you go to the West End, not every show in the West End you can bring your whole entire family to. Yeah, you know, Mama Mia, you know, sometimes that might be for the females, even though the males love it. Jersey Boys might not be for the younger kids, and that's what Panto is. You can see the faces of just the, the kids out there in particular, though. Um, is uh, we had one that it was one, one child's first Panto, and then it ended up being the great nanny's last Panto. Go away. And that's what you try and do in the panto. You try and write it for everyone and bring everybody together. And it is honestly like we haven't been able to perform in two years. Ian, I said we recorded it last year. Was cancelled. It was pulled from us. So I tell you, I feel like a greyhound in the traps, ready to go for this this Christmas. I am buzzing. Twenty nine years of age, and I can't wait to run around the stage for two hours like a mad thing. Um, before we go dancing with the stars, what was that experience like? Are you um? Because that's another thing that you see on the show that the the hours and rehearsal is is crazy for that. Oh, yeah. Like people see the glitz and the glamour of the Sunday in. Like they see, you know, dancing the foxtrot. It's Ryan Andrews and Julia Dotta, where they don't see you're in there from you're in 10 hours a day training. Like you're you're it's a lot of pressure. Like that's what one thing I kind of took from Dance with the Stars as well. I loved it. I absolutely loved it. And I said it was never about winning. It was always about, I want to go out there and push myself and make it that I have great dance routines every single week. And I was very proud of how it went. Uh, but the pressure, like you're going in there, learning a whole new routine, whether it's a quick step or a Charleston or an American smooth, in a has to be learned by Thursday. Oh, like four days. Four days is all you get. It's crazy. Because on, on the Friday... You have to record it in the rehearsal room so the directors and the producers see it and make sure that they approve it. On Saturday is you go to Ardmore Studios. That's where it was for me with the cameras. Then Sunday is the show. So it all has to be done by Thursday. That's on top of interviews and all media stuff. On top of interviews, on top of the behind the scenes and also on top of the week before. So on Sunday night, when you wake up on Monday, you're tired, you're exhausted, you're on a high, you're adrenaline. And then it might be one o'clock by the time you actually do something and then all the half of the day is gone. It's mad. Crazy. But it was great learning something new. There were some hard moments in it. There were some hard moments. You know, I I only saw, actually, I only saw an interview today. That's when I opened up about having scoliosis was scoliosis, on Dance with yeah. the Stars. And yeah, so that was, I only saw that interview today. Randomly came up on a memory or something. And... Um, which I didn't intend to open up about. I didn't intend to talk about it, but I was in a lot of pain. I was, and one of the producers said to me, are you happy now that you opened up? 
oh the best thing ever and that's what that's another thing where on on, on hell week and stuff that i think by talking and i think by opening up it's such a cliche thing if you open up and talk about it but that lifted a weight off my shoulders i didn't even know i had like didn't even know i had and then to talk about it you realize it isn't a problem if i can talk about it there's no problem so where sometimes you think it is a problem you know when you don't talk about it and there's there was probably loads of young people watching that that had scoliosis and then them seeing you open up about it and they say you know when they're that young you say i'm not the only one he's doing dancing with the stars there's no reason why why i can't go and live a great life as well and that's that's one of the reasons Ian, why i kind of did it a producer said when you were i was basically told over in england i was over there doing a workshop and stuff and i got brought up to the top of the class and i was basically told everyone was like don't be like ryan the teacher was like whatever you do don't be like ryan his posture he's not gonna make it don't worry about him yeah and i opened up about that and i never really thought about it and the producer said if you were that 15 year old boy again and you saw yourself now or else if there's a young six seven year old boy or girl getting told the same thing what would you want to happen i said i want to show them that you can do anything you can whatever it is you want to do you can achieve it if that's what you want and that's what i wanted and that's what i did in that's amazing that's crazy the way the way um you could tell a story from when you were a child and the the teacher brought you up um one more thing before I go. I know I've said that about a hundred times. Um, oh, you can keep me as long as you want. You know, I'll talk. I'll talk as long as the Zoom goes on. You can keep me. <laughs> you have. You've. You've said a lot, and you've been open enough. You've been open talking in interviews that you say that um that you some of the times you you can be afraid of failing. Yeah. Do you want to tell me a bit about that? Is that something that has been with you with a with a long time or? Yeah, a long, long time. I think from the age, like very young, very young, um, I always wanted to be like kind of a perfectionist. So like I always want, if I do something, I really want to do it. And that's why I kind of put everything into it. Because like, and look, it, it can be a good thing, but also it can be a really, really, really dark place as well because it, you can nearly become obsessed with it. So if it's Dancing with the Stars, if it's Hell Week, if it's the Pantos, if it's I'm only back from Everest Base Camp, whatever it is, I want to put 100% into it because I don't want that feeling of failure. And But that's what crippled me when I was around 20, 21, 22, 23, that, that age group, what I said earlier on. I was so afraid of failing, I actually never did anything in the way of like, there was a lot of stuff coming in that rather than saying, give it to me, I'll try my best. And if it doesn't work out, that's no problem. I'll move on to the next. I was saying, oh no, no, no. But what if I'm not good at it? Or what if I, if I can't do it? Yeah. And that, and I had to snap out of that. Because if you can't take those chances or risks, you, you'll never know, you'll never find out or it'll, it'll never get you to where you want to be in the end. It's like going out your your comfort zone, isn't it? And yeah, and like, and we're now, what I what my thing is now, and I stand by it one hundred percent. It's an old thing. If you try your best, no matter whatever it is, if you were there talking about, you know, you doing physio in and you doing working out. If you come home at the end of the day, and you say, "Well, do you know what? My arm didn't move yeah. higher." 
you can get disheartened about it. You can go, well, I'm not. But if you can honestly say, well, do you know what? I tried my best for that hour today, that 45 minutes. That's and if it didn't happen, that's, not, that's all that matters. And like, so say with the training of base camp, the training for Hell Week, the training dance, which is, I knew I tried my best in all of them. So if I didn't win, I can walk my hell to hell toy. It's only when you go, well, could you have done another hour? Could you have pushed yourself a little bit more? If you could have, that's when the problems kick in. Yeah, absolutely. I couldn't agree with you with you more there because I can relate when I was in in that situation and I was getting no movement. And But you can always say you tried your very best. Ryan, you're an absolute gent and I really appreciate that. I am I'm delighted that we could have the 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 interview and I'll be up to the, the pento at Christmas time. Absolutely. Yeah. And thanks for reaching out. I know sometimes when you reach out, you go... Oh, gee, ho- hopefully, hopefully they do and hopefully they don't. But I, I literally answered you within 10 seconds and I said, absolutely. Yeah. Like uh, you're, you're a legend. And um, if you can't stand up, stand out. That's it. That's it. That if note. you can't stand up, you stand out. And I tell you, you've been standing out for the last couple of years. You're standing out in my mind. And I think everyone is watching, learning and, you know, taking, taking whatever they can from your journey. in. And I can't wait to, Keep following it, and I can't wait to see how far you go. Thanks so much, and we'll we'll meet up when I'm above the the big smoke someday. Sounds sounds good. Look, have a great have a great day, Ian, and best luck with everything. And I said I'll be following you, and I'll be supporting and rooting behind you the whole way. Now, unfortunately, that's all we have time for tonight. I hope you all enjoyed the show, and I appreciate you tuning in as always. If you have any questions or requests for next week's show. You can contact me through my Instagram, enoconnell321. I hope you're all having a great week. I'll be back again next Wednesday night from 8 to 9 p.m. Until then, stay safe and mind yourself. You're listening to Stand Out with Eno Connell. Wednesday evenings from 8 p.m. here on Radio Kerry 96.9.